You get my age, it's good to just see anybody. You know it doesn't make any difference who it is. You're thinking about uh, 30 years that I've been putting together church budgets and so forth and so on. So uh, right after the service today, the, uh, the finance committee, if you would meet in my office, the finance committee, if you know anybody who's on the finance committee that's out in the halls or counting money or whatever, we'll have a finance committee meeting right after the service. And uh, that is for going over the budget so we can present it to you tonight and let you have it so you'll know where the money's going and what's been taking place and who's getting it and how many dogs I bought this year and so forth and so on. And, and, uh, but uh, uh, for you educated, isn't, for you educated folk, isn't God good? For we rednecks, ain't God great? I'm sure glad you're here today. I guess we're going to baptize some folks today. We try to baptize every service. And uh, you say, why do you do that? Because there's a lot of those folks around that needs to be saved, need to be baptized. Amen. If you've looked in your bulletin, you'll already come to the conclusion that this is Stewardship Month. The month of January, for 30 years, has always been designated Stewardship Month. And I teach, and the entire Sunday school teaches, everything is emphasis is on stewardship. And uh, so I do not want to uh, beleaguer the point, but I bet you think I'm going to preach on money. And I don't preach on money much because I'm embarrassed to preach on money. I don't, uh, I really, it bothers me to preach on money. Not much, but it bothers me. But I come to the conclusion this week that maybe we need to get some things straightened out before we talk about money. Maybe we better get some things straightened out before we talk about marriage. Don't some of you wish you could get out of it? Wrong time to say amen, fellas. If you won't eat today, right? I want to read for you out of the book of James. Has nothing to do with stewardship. But until we take care of this situation, we don't want to be talking about stewardship, soul winning, discipleship, or anything else. Nike had a commercial a few years ago, and the phrase was, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. If you ever feel like hugging your wife, just do it. Now, if you feel like hugging somebody else's, don't do it. Not here, because you'd cause a real ruckus in this place, right? I want to read for you James chapter 1. I want to begin reading in about verse number 17. And uh, I'd like to talk to you today about just do it. Would that be all right? Just do it. Every good gift and every perfect gift 
is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You can depend on God. He's not going to change. Everybody else will, but God don't. No variableness at all in God. No wavering back and forth with God. No guessing what God is going to do and what God is going to send for. We change. God don't change. He said, I'm the Lord God. I change not. Verse 18. For of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Just do it. Until we are doers of the word, I can preach on stewardship till I'm red in my face and have accomplished nothing. Until we become doers of the word, we can go to all the family seminars we want to and still we'll be eating breakfast at McDonald's. Until we have become doers of the word, we're like a man who gets up in the morning and his beard and his hair is a mess. He walks to the bathroom and looks in the mirror and said, you are a gorgeous booger. And turns away and exposes that ugly mug to everybody all day long. Until we are doers of the word. This church is a farce, and our Christianity stinks, and it'll be a disappointment to every young person and kid that we mother and father until we are doers. We are empty. 
useless for God. And a bad testimony to Christ. I don't need to be talking about tithing until you start believing the book it came from. Amen, Reverend. Good preaching. The story is told, and I'm not too sure how accurate it is. But I heard of a story where a church was having a very unusual meeting. It was called a quitting meeting, somewhat like a revival service. But the difference being at this meeting, all the people that attended were going to quit some things, like quit smoking and quit cursing and quit conniving. Well, that'd tear most Baptists plumb up. <laughs> and so they gave the invitation, and to the altars they came. One senior citizen, elderly lady, came forward. And the preacher and the deacons was wondering, what in the world is she coming forward for? She's never done anything wrong. And they addressed the young lady and said, Ma'am, why are you coming? You have never done anything wrong. She said, You're right. I've never done nothing and I'm quitting. <laughs> quitting, doing nothing. I think we need to have that kind of meeting around here, don't you? Quitting, having done nothing. You and I, in the day in which we live, have got to quit doing nothing for Christ. We must get serious not only about hearing, but about doing. My children need to see something that is real. My children need to see something that is lasting, that is genuine, that is not artificial, that is real, that is godly, that is holy. Our children, needs, they deserve that, bless your heart. So I want to ask you something today, if, you, if I could, if I was, I guess I can since I've been here this long. Huh? Since it was started in my front yard on Wednesday night. Just in case you don't know that, my wife don't know when the church was started. She was there, but she don't know. She thinks it started on another night. In fact... She don't even know it started yet. I'm sure she's sitting up there with my son-in-law. Well, where am I? Where was I? Could I ask you a question? Do I have your attention? Would you please listen? Listen on purpose. Don't worry about what time it is. There ain't no teams in Texas playing until next year. Not a one of them. Glory to God. Amen. Would you listen this morning on purpose? Would you do that, please? 
because I believe we're living in a day that this book is so very important. I believe with all of my heart today that I have three wonderful points. Notice the first point we'll find in verse 19. The Bible looks at what it says. And the Bible said, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. When you are listening to the Word of God intentionally, it might have an effect on you that you might want to respond in a negative way. For instance, if I were to mention your money today, of course there would be a red flag come up. And you would say, I knew he would mention money. Then why do you look so disappointed? You would say, all he wants is my money. How did I make it before you got here then? It is not about money. It is about this book. And what you believe about this book and what you do about what you believe about this book. So it is not about money. It's not about anything in the world. Listen, if you're going to please God in your life, you're going to have to listen to this book. Have you ever wondered why God gave you two ears and one mouth? Quick to hear, slow to speak. Fellas, would you like me to say that again? Well, I'm not going to do it because it'll do no good. Slow to speak. Swift to hear. George Bonner, in a Christian poll, said that every given week, 37% of Americans read their Bibles. 37% of Americans, according to a poll, read their Bibles every week. 85% pray. Now think about that just a minute. Slow to speak, quick to hear. Do you think it would be better for you to talk to God or let God talk to you? Do you think it would be better God listening to us or us listening to God? You listen to God through His Word. The Bible is very plain about that. Swift to hear. I was reading recently when I was a kid, we used to put our ear on the railroad track back in the country and we'd listen to that track and we could always tell if the train was coming. Two cowboys, West Texas, riding out across the plains and they rode up on an Indian laying on his side with his ear to the ground. 
one cowboy said, do you see that Indian? He said, yes. He said, that Indian can hear things from miles away. About that time, the Indian spoke. He said, covered wagon two miles away. Have two horses, one white, one brown. Man, woman, and child in wagon with all the household goods. One cowboy said, that's incredible. The fella can lay there on his side listening and determine two miles away about a wagon, two horses, one white, one brown, woman, man, child, in wagon. That, he said, is incredible. Indian said, not incredible. Wagon run over me two hours ago. <laughs> Are you listening? Swift to hear, slow to speak. Oh, but if we come to church to hear God's word, oh, how important it is that we hear God's word. Nothing else matters. We should come to hear God's word. We have a need to hear God's word on a regular basis. Amen. Oh, let me tell you, it is so important. The Bible said, the heart of the prudent getteth knowledge. Watch this. And the ear of the wise seeketh knowledge. Proverbs 18 and verse 15. It's reading a story about a phenomenal young man. 33 years old. His name is Eric Whittemeyer. He's quite a phenomenal athlete. He loves to skydive and snow ski and climb mountains. Mountain climbing is his specialty. As a matter of fact, he's on track to be the youngest man ever to climb the five major peaks in five different continents. In 1996, he climbed El Capitan. In 1995, he scaled Mount Kinley. And throughout all the five continents until he climbed personally Mount Everest. And I know you know that Mount Everest, 90% of the folks who attempt to climb never make it to the top. In fact, 165 people have died trying to reach the peak of Mount Everest. But he did it. And the other four also. But the amazing thing is that the young man is totally blind. At 15 years old, he contacted a disease and completely blinded him and blind as he is, 
He climbed all five of the major mountain peaks in the world. Someone asked him, how in the world did you do that? Now watch it. He said, I've become a great listener. He said, I listened to the bell on the back of the climber in front of me to tell me which direction I go. I listen to my climbing partners as they shout back and say, death drop two feet to the right. I listen to the axe as it pierces the ice to see if my footing is solid. Are you a good listener? He said, listening, my life depends upon it. Are you a good listener? We should be swift to hear his word. Amen. Kind of like a funeral, ain't it? Maybe I should sing, we came to the garden alone this morning. I told my wife, she sings at my funeral, I will get up and say, no, we didn't go to the garden alone. Since I got saved, I have not gone anywhere alone. He's with me. You agree we ought to be better listeners? I said, you agree we ought to listen swiftly? Well, listen this morning. Don't let it just, don't just look at it and say, oh, your hair's getting gray. There's another wrinkle on your face. You notice something about a mirror? Them suckers are always honest. A mirror always tells the truth. Unless you go to one of them secret mirrors where it got you covered. Uh-huh. I told my wife, we're going to get a smaller mirror in my bathroom. You got to get closer to look at it. Notice, you got to listen. Could I give you the second point in verse 21? We need to listen to the Word of God. Verse 21. The Bible said, Wherefore, lay, aside, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted Word, which is able to do what? Save your soul. We need to listen to the word. We need to receive the word. Notice a negative admonishment. Lay lay apart, lay aside all the stuff that's got you sidetracked. Lay aside the filthiness and the superfluity of naughtiness. Lay it all aside. You know, when you look in the mirror, fix it up a little bit. Don't just look in the mirror and say, mirror, mirror on the wall. You're lying to me. No, mirror's telling you the truth. The best thing to do is take the mirror's advice, shape up, fix up, move it around, shave it, grow it, whatever you do, make it look better so it won't discourage everybody else too. Receive it. It's a negative admonishment. Lay aside. The positive admonishment, receive. 
receive the word of God. How do you receive it? With meekness. With meekness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. Jesus was meek, and he was certainly not weak. Meekness. Receive the word of God with meekness. Why? Because that is the avenue by which you get to heaven. Not by works of righteousness which we've done, but by his mercy. You remember that? He saves us. As many as receive him gave he the power to become what? The sons of God. I'm glad of that, aren't you? I wonder today. It will do us no good if we do not receive the Word of God. The Word of God is profitable. I don't know if you know that or not. But the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. Nobody likes reproof. For correction, nobody likes being corrected. For instruction in righteousness. I wonder why I preach so much and you live so little. I I wonder why that we have this book. We say we believe it and then we don't do it. Why should I have to preach on stewardship every year? Because we ought to have new baby Christians in our church every year. Because we ought to have new folk coming in all the time. Because we ought to be growing all the time. Why? Because we've got the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, We ought to receive it. The Word of God is profitable as a mirror to behold and reflect. Ladies and gentlemen, the mirror tells us how we really are. You know the only thing that's going to tell you how you really are? It's just right here. Your neighbors don't want to because they know that you'll get mad at them. Your relatives won't because they know they're kin to you. Amen. But when I look into this book, this book don't care who you are. It says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It does not put any painting, pretty pictures. It does not lie to us. Let me tell you something. We're all going to go to the same heaven or we're all going to go to the same hell. We're all going for the same reason. And when we look at this book, it's like looking in a mirror. And that mirror says, boy, does your nose look crooked. No, your life is crooked. You're selfish. Hmm? You're stingy. The preacher says anything about money, you get mad. And if he says anything about you, he gets mad. And we look in the mirror, 
and the mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest one of all? And the mirror says, you, great witch. She got mad when the mirror told her the truth, didn't she? I said she got mad when the mirror told her the truth, didn't she? I said she got mad when the mirror told her the truth, didn't she? That's what we do. We look into this mirror and it says, For all of sin, come short of the glory of God. Wicked shall be turned into hell. And we look at it, we close it, and forget all about what it said. And go down our merry way, living like we want to. We read it. We didn't receive it. We're just as empty today as we were yesterday. Walking around this cycle called life. Never finding the true peace that God wants to give us. All because we hear it. We look it. We close it. And we forget it. I need to close. You say, why? Because it's that time. We must hear it. We must receive it. Verse 22. Be good doers of the word. I read recently as I close. Many mark their Bibles but few let their Bibles mark them I challenge you to go to the verses you got underlined in your Bible and live them is anybody here bet you wish I was talking about stewardship don't you We mark verses on prayer, but we don't pray. We mark verses about morality, and we become the most immoral nation in the world. I think it's about time we allowed the Bible to mark us. Amen? I don't need to be clothed in a certain way for people to know that I'm a Christian. Just the demeanor. Just the attitude, the kindness, the love ought to be a testimony that I'm a Christian. I don't need a certain kind of shoes. I don't need a certain kind of haircut. I think we need to let the Bible mark us. I just believe when we look in this mirror, verse 24 says, He beholdeth himself in the mirror. And about 50 years ago, I did not know one verse in the Bible. As a little lad in the country in Tennessee, I was made to go to Sunday school and church every Sunday. Never one time did I have a pretty Sunday school teacher. 
And if you've seen Tennessee women past 50, it would drive you away from Sunday school. And the preachers had no idea that there were such things as clocks. Preachers I went to listen to when I was a kid did take their coat off, throw it a mile and a half, preach an hour and a half, and then eat a chicken and a half, and that was church. The pews were hard, no air conditioning. But when I was 26 years of age, a fellow walked in my room, and I left my house on a Thursday night and asked me this question. Gene, if you died today, do you know 100% sure you'd go to heaven? I didn't think I was in his business. And I said, no, I'm so mean, preacher, that my wife handcuffs me at night before I go to sleep to keep me from choking myself to death in my sleep. And he took a little New Testament out of his pocket and he turned the mirror on me. And I looked in that mirror that night and I found out there was none righteous. No, not one. Man, I knew I wasn't righteous. I knew I wasn't right with God. I just left places in Oklahoma that I hope not to be. Doing things that was not to be. When he turned that New Testament, the mirror of God hit me. Said, there's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Anybody ever looked in the beard and seen that? All have sinned. All have sinned. All have come short of God's glory. He said, Gene, but God commended his love toward you and that while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. Then he said something I'll never forget. He said, Gene, if you'd been the only sinner in the world, Christ would have died just for you. Now, I'm a 26-year-old bar-fighting, hell-raising, cock-fighting, coon-hunting individual that hated preachers and church. But when he said, if I'd have been the only sinner in the world, Christ would have died just for me. Man, there's something that through my heart and my soul when this old hell-raising individual began to weep and cry that God loved me so much that he'd do that for me. If you had God's mirror turned on, Then he said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Huh? 
shall be saved. Can you believe? That an ex-gang fighter, hell-racing, drinking, bar-fighting idiot like me, could kneel at his couch and accept Christ and get up a saint. Bend his knee on his way to hell. And straighten his legs on his way to heaven. Now you can't get that if you don't do the word. Receive the engrafted word which is able to do what? Somebody tell me. Save your soul. Man, I'll tell you. One day there's a man late for church. Went running in the back door and said to the usher, Is the sermon done yet? The usher said, The sermon's been preached, but it ain't yet been done. Now the sermon's been preached but it ain't been done yet. Nike said, just do it. Just do the word. If you haven't ever been saved, then do it today. You say, what I got to do? You walk right here, and I'll show you what you need to do. And you can leave here on your way to heaven. All your sins gone. And the master carpenter, the Lord Jesus, will begin building your mansion next door to mine. You said, I don't live that close to you. We'll be different up there. Okay. We'll all be rednecks up there. Okay. Okay. Can you say amen? Ain't that good? Man, I'm telling you, but it don't do you any good if you don't do it. It's such a strange thing to me. Why you just don't do the Word. It works every time. 